how long, how high. And what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll go through Ephesians chapter 3 today and we'll go through the rest of that book and we'll start uh, Ephesians 4 next week. And the interesting thing that's going to change throughout the book is that Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 gets more into kind of the behaviors and the things to do as a Christian. Where if, as far as uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3, we're kind of, here's why we're doing them. So you kind of get the why down first and get the understanding down. And then what he does later on in the letter, chapters 4, 5, and 6, is then he builds into um, how to actually do that, how to carry that out, what that looks like. Um, so I was, one thought I was thinking about um, as we get into the passage this week is uh, this passage and the themes going on uh, through there, um, it reminds me of one of the many pieces of good news that the gospel brings. So the gospel brings good news. Good news that we have been saved from our sins for all of eternity. That is good news. Because when you are made fully aware of how many sins you have, I have, and how deep that thing goes, and how we can't get out of that, we are like stuck in these bodies that has the propensity and default mode to continue to do that, that's good news. That's good news that a Savior paid my price, took my place, and then took your price and took your place. That's good news. It's also good news that it didn't just take care of eternity. So it didn't just get our names in the book of life forever. He also promises to radically change and transform our Lives and our attitudes and our emotions and our minds now. That's good news. That's really good news. I mean, it's pretty awesome that He created a way to where it could be an eternity in heaven forever. And I wish I had, I wish there was even human vocabulary that could do it justice, that could, where we could describe what heaven would be like and how amazing of a place it is. Because then we could like use those words and use those terms and have that understanding. We just don't know. It's, it's totally foreign to us. It's just, we're just going based on the, 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 the words um, and, and the examples and illustrations that we can use. I mean, it's, trying to, it's like trying to uh, explain a, a rainbow to a blind person. Like, you can only get so far. There's so much more. So, not only does that happen, he also promises to change us in the here and now. And... Um, one thing that's super encouraging is like when we heard other people getting baptized. Um, you know, it happened way back in June now. Can you believe it's almost September already? It's amazing. Years flying by. So back in June, you hear um, people come on up here and kind of share their life, where they've been and choices they've made and what has happened. And the awesome thing is that they've taken Jesus as their Savior. They've taken Him in, into their life. And uh, they revealed, you know, who they used to be, how they used to live, who they used to hang out with. And now they're agreeing to live their life on Christ's terms, Christ's way. And there's a new person waiting. There's a new person that's going to be formed by the Spirit that's now living in them. And the brand new person doesn't just isn't just a finished product as soon as they pop out of the water. Oh, done. You know, I'm finished. Like, the work has been done. I am finished. 
Salvation's been finished. But now there's another S word of sanctification that has to get worked out, you know, through life. And um, I think it's so awesome and so encouraging that no matter who we are and what our background is and what our education is, what our finance level is, in the kingdom, there is no limitations for us what we can do and what God has for us. Like, we are capable to do anything, anything at all, any way, shape, or form. Not because of the power of the human spirit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying because of the power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead that lives in us. That's totally different. Not because we're super determined and really perseverant. No. Because of the power of God that changes all things and makes things brand new. That's amazing and that's awesome. I remember being uh, in a church in uh, San Diego and he was actually, he started off, um, they're still part of the Calvary Chapel kind of group. And believe it or not, the Calvary Chapel sort of model and how Calvary Chapel came to be, they're not your prototypical people. These are uh, addicts, heavy-duty addicts. Um, these are people that have spent lots of jail time. Um, these are people that have very, very unimpressive resumes. And you'd never, never know it by the way they live now and the way their churches are now. It's just all been transformed. It's awesome. It's amazing. And so I remember um, being in this guy's church in San Diego and... Uh, I forget what he was talking about, but just the story stuck out to me. And he grew up in that area, and his thing was um, his thing was heroin and freebasing. He just that was his thing. That's what he did, and so just spent years of it. And uh, he said he was just running down the street, and or running down the beach. He was running down the beach, and he said that he remembered running down the beach, and he was just so high, and his brain was just so gone. I mean, just doing tons and tons of drugs. I mean, it just destroys your brain. So he's just running down the beach, and he's screaming and yelling to all the people that are there. He's saying he thinks half of his face has fallen off. This is like where his where he's at. So he's running down the beach, screaming, yelling. My face is like, and, you know. And part of me, I was, I was like, you know, it's kind of comical. But then the other side, it's like, man, that is just sad. That's where he was. Like that was his reality. And then I'm thinking, I'm sitting there in this guy's church that's, like, massive. It's basically a campus. I mean, it's a huge school. It's just, it's huge. And I also know his background and what he has done. And I'm like, man, if somebody were to tell me, early 70s, late 60s, that this guy would be running down the beach, screaming, high, out of his mind, brain just totally messed up, that he would be leaving thousands to the Lord and be at this church. I mean, that's just... That's good news. Not only was he, did he get saved, but man, he is like infiltrating now Satan's domain in this world and just taking territory back. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. And that same capability. So that's the way God used him in that church, in that situation, in that environment. Hey, he's got plans for you and I as well. Might not be exactly the same, or maybe it will be, I don't know. But he's got those plans. And we are called to be so much more than we can think 
or imagine or conjure up. And I don't know about you, but I think most people have pretty big imaginations and they can really think, you know, pretty far. But honestly, that's just like scratching the surface. Just scratching the surface. Um, so we're going to talk about some of that stuff today and how, good, how God does that and what that looks like and hopefully how we can prepare ourselves and position ourselves so that way God can use us in that way. Because many times, um, certainly the enemy gets in the way, but many times we can also make the enemy's job easier by going right along with them and just shooting ourselves in the foot like we talked about last week. So let's take a look at the passage and hopefully it'll just be encouraging to you this morning and hopefully equip you as well. So Ephesians chapter 3. Let's take a look. We did one uh, verse 1 last week. It says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. So we spent the entire week last week talking about verse 1 there. And honestly, it was just a week based on context. It was, listen, he said he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles. In actuality, he was a prisoner of Rome who did nothing wrong, nothing but spread the gospel, nothing but be obedient to what God had called him to do, and it got him into a situation that certainly was not just in any way, shape, or form. Got him in jail, got him in prison. And uh, we spent a lot of time last week talking about the power of our circumstances and how much power do we give to our circumstances. And uh, we talked about how it's our goal as a Christian to let truth speak louder than life. Let truth speak louder than life. And so that's kind of stuff we talked about last week. And now we switch gears and get back to exactly what's going on here in this passage. He says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So let's stop right there. So basically what he's saying is, hey, listen, uh, I'm writing to you guys. I want to remind you guys and just let you know, right, this is a letter. I want to remind you and let you know who I am, where I came from, what my background was. And uh, his background is pretty incredible. He, uh, if you go back and you look, and you can read it later this week in Acts chapter 9, the person who's reading this book, you never would have thought that they'd be writing this book, and not only this book, Colossians, Philippians, Galatians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. I mean, he's writing lots of stuff. And he never would have thought it, knowing who he was to begin with. Right? This was Saul. Saul of Tarsus. And his job and his resume and his record was to go out and do harm to... They didn't really call them Christians then. They called them the way. Everybody say the way. Yeah, they were the way. So what he would do... Bible quote is he would breathe out murderous threats and he would imprison and he would uh, abuse and in some cases kill people that were, they didn't say Christians, that were part of the way. Right? That was his job. 
And uh, 1 Corinthians 15.9, I think, uh, describes, I have the verse on here, uh, so you can see uh, what it says. So this is Paul writing too. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. That was his job. He persecuted the church. Um, That was his background. That was what he grew up in. That was what he was zealous about. And now the transformation, man, that takes place to where God chooses to use this man to write three quarters of the New Testament and change the entire history of Christianity and the church is just incredible. I'm just blown away by that. Chose one man to do it. And it's crazy the charge that he gave him. This is a Jewish man. For whatever reason, God chose him to bring the truth to the Gentiles, to us, to the non-Jews. So he charged Paul with, listen, I want you to bring the message of the gospel, the message of salvation, the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, Don't bring it to your own people. I want you to bring it to the Gentiles. It's interesting. And Paul, he got that word and he understood that. And actually when he got knocked off his uh, horse on the road to Damascus, uh, what he did is he started just going right to his own people. And God was like, no, 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 you know. Your call is to the Gentiles, to the Gentiles, to the Gentiles, people that aren't Jewish, the people that have been kind of, uh, they felt left out. They haven't had a part of Yahweh the way the Jewish people have. They don't have the history. Um, I'm choosing you to go there and explain to them how I love them just as much, how I'm going to use them just as much, and my promise is just as true for them as it is for my own Jewish people. That's quite, the, uh, that's quite the calling there. That's a lot. That's heavy-duty stuff. And so Paul is just trying to encourage these people in Ephesus at this church here, saying, listen, this is who I used to be. I am not that anymore. And because I'm not that anymore, there's a very unique thing that happened to him that didn't happen to any of the other apostles. None of them. That's why he says... Um, I am the least of the apostles. Do not even deserve to be called an apostle. See, the qualification for an apostle was to basically be called by Jesus, walk with Him, and take part in really His life and uh, be discipled by Him. Paul never did that. Never did that. Never walked with Jesus. Never uh, hung out with Him. Never uh, went out, uh, you know, with the 72. He didn't feed 5,000 on the hill. Uh, He wasn't in the boat when the storm came up. It was none of those things. So what happened in his case is when he got knocked off his horse on the way to Damascus, God specifically spoke to him. And then there was a period of time where it was just him and God just hanging out and communing together. And he got a special revelation, a special understanding from God about this mystery, about how we all come to Christ together and how there's no favoritism, uh, no specials, no favorites. So, 
Of course, if that were to happen, and then he goes to the people that he just persecuted and said, but hey, listen, I had a huge change, and God told me, uh, not everybody received that well. And so they actually kicked him out, and they sent him somewhere else for a period of time because they're like, I don't know what's going on with this guy. And unfortunately, because Paul is such a pillar in the faith, and he came to this revelation and understanding of Christianity and of the gospel the way that he did, some other faiths um, also try and copy that same model. So there's other faiths like Jehovah's Witness, right? Like uh, Mormonism, um, like uh, Islam, to where there's a central person, to where supposedly an angel of God or God in some way, shape, or form has met with them, only difference is these other faiths, other beliefs, they get this entire new revelation that has really nothing to do with and doesn't supplement at all the finished work of the cross and what Jesus Christ had did. It's just like this entire new way of life. And so what they say is they say, well, if you're a Christian, like, that happened with you too. Like, you guys believe in Paul. You read the New Testament. Most people read the New Testament. A lot of people don't read the Old Testament so much time in there, but they read a lot of the New Testament. So, you know, Paul had a special revelation from God, and you believe that, you know, but you don't believe that God has special revelation to so-and-so, whoever it is. Those are interesting conversations when you get into that, you know, with people, and some, sometimes when they'll come to your door, and um, you want to be ready at that point, at that moment in time, be like, yes, it is true. You know, Paul did have a special revelation from God. Um, but let me, let's talk about how his revelation, what he said, supports the cross, goes with the cross, goes with and just further emphasizes what Jesus had done instead of changing the message entirely. Right? That's when we got to know our word. But if we go down further down that track, that's, that's a talk for another day. Main point being, he had changed into a completely different person. Transformation. We talked about it last week, and we talked about it the week before. We've been talking about it for a while. So whatever reason, uh, God feels uh, that we need to keep talking about this. Um, transformation is the goal of the Christian. The goal of the Christian is not to go to church. It's not the goal. The goal of the Christian is not to be a nicer person. The goal of the Christian is not to be more generous. The goal of the Christian is to be transformed, and transformed into the image and to the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's the goal of the Christian. That will involve those other things taking place. But it takes place because there's a change coming from the inside out. And like we talked about last week, there's a serious issue and problem if someone has, quote-unquote, said a prayer, but then they can come to church for the next 15, 20 years, and there's been no change at all take place. Like, that's a problem. That's definitely an issue. Uh, because you got to wonder, that life-changing Spirit of God that's supposedly living in them that brought no change, 
what's going on? What's going on? Transformation is the goal. So hopefully I'm not the same person that I was last year or three years ago. And not because I'm making better changes in my life. No. Hopefully I'm not the same person. Hopefully I'm getting molded into and taking more of a shape and a form that's something like Jesus Christ. That's the goal, right? That's the issue for us. And um, when we do that, the sky is the limit. The sky is the limit. I mean, it's not unreasonable at all to think in this room that there's not other church planters here, to think that there's not people in this room that when you lay hands on people, you will heal people. That's not unreasonable at all in any way, shape, or form. If you think it's unreasonable for you, get out of that. That's a lie. It's a lie. We've been accepted into the kingdom. They might not have full understanding of how all that works. But all access, all gifts, all abilities, everything in the throne of heaven is available to the believer, to the Christ follower. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you chose to do, what you didn't choose to do. It really doesn't matter. It just matters what he wants to do. And if we're surrendered to it and submitted to it. So all of a sudden, like, our lives are just not pigeonholed by, you know, where we grew up and who we hang out with and mistakes that we made. And forget that. Forget that. Especially, like, this whole thing about the past. Our past do not, like, they're not uh, locking us into some future for the Christian. No way, shape, or form. Not at all. And some pasts and some backgrounds, they are rough. And they are difficult. And there's no denying that. But does that change at all what happened on the cross? Does that change at all that God comes and lives in a person and changes their life? In ways that they can't think, feel, or imagine? That's truth. That's letting truth speak louder than life. You know, so we all had, you know, difficult backgrounds and difficult, you know, difficult upbringings and we all have our stories. What does that have to do with in just changing truth? We all got our stuff. And some stories are bad. Absolutely. And some of those stories are still going through healing right now. Hopefully. Hopefully. Still being given over to God and He's still working through it. And still showing and revealing how he loves his son or daughter. And he's still working on the unanswered questions. Man, but just because the past happened is no guarantee of what the future is in Christ. Not at all. Not at all. So I don't know about you, but it's... Paul's no different than me. And he's no different than you. And the way God used him is going to be no different. Man, just because of, you know, you've been parented a certain way and grew up a certain household does not mean you have to carry that into the next household. Just because finances were dealt with in a particular way and that's what you're used to, it doesn't mean you're guaranteed to carry that out. Just because maybe you've been around an environment where there's been hostility and gossip and difficulty and addictions, it doesn't mean it's guaranteed for the next. That's crap. It's been done with and taken care of. Paul's life story is our life story. 
The big difference is Paul was all in, fully submitted, fully surrendered. My flesh counts for nothing. I just want to finish the race and do what God has for me. That was his posture. That's where a lot of other people run into trouble. Well, I don't know if I could want to say that. I mean, I do want him around and involve him, and I think he is important. But to consider my life worth nothing and just let him, like with everything, that's where the trouble comes in. And then we can come in with some justifications and, well, God gave me, you know, my own life, and so I should be able to choose. And, oh man, we're getting down a slippery slope. Getting down a slippery slope. And then we can delay things and procrastinate for a while. No way. Don't you want to... Jesus said, you only experience life when you actually give it away. When you actually give it away, that's when you experience it. So until you just give Him all things, everything, all relationship, all drama, all situation, everything, finances, everything, you just give it all and say, Lord, I want to do it on your terms and in your way. I don't fully understand all that, but I'll put myself in a situation, environment where I can learn all that, and that's what I want to do. Now we're setting ourselves up, we're positioning ourselves for a life that we're going to find out later in Ephesians. I'm cheating, I'm looking at it now. We're going to find ourselves in a life where He can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, immeasurably more. But we can't really get there unless we position ourselves to where he can do that. Because it's on his terms. We like to make it on our terms, not on his terms. So when I see Paul's life here, and how he just radically changed, and he had just special intimacy and revelation from Christ, that's me. That's you. He wants to give us, we're not adding to the gospel, but he wants to give revelation. And intimacy to you. Hey, listen, here's who you are in me. Here's why I died for you. Here's what I want to do with you. Here's why that stuff in the past doesn't matter. Here's, I know you don't understand, but you got to trust me. Let's move forward in this together. Bring your burdens to me. Trust me by putting this in my hands. Like we will get special revelation and intimacy from our Father when we take those steps. That's the goal of the Christian. Not to just sing to Him and sing songs to Him and man, it's to be transformed and commune with Him. That's the goal. So I look at Paul, man, I'm like, wow. This is so awesome. How God met with him and just radically transformed his heart and mind because he was intimate with him. And the same thing is true for us. He will radically transform us as long as that intimacy and communion is there with him. We'll skip down to verse verse 6. He said, This mystery, what mystery? This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Good news being, we all have access to the promises in Jesus Christ. Every single person. Which is awesome. No special people. No special saints. We all come the same way. We're all born into the same sin. We all need the same Savior. It's awesome. 
So in verse 7 he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. He says, although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent now, my ears always perk up when I hear like what God's intent is because you, you don't always know. It's not like, you know, there's just always like a direct, um, you know, feedback and, and communication type session you can always have with God. So whenever, you know, we hear what his intent was with something, uh, I'm always very curious about that. And I think that should grab our attention. Really, what are his intentions? His intent was that now, through the church, that's us, that's me, that's you, that's all of our Christians, brothers and sisters, all over the globe. So his intent is that through the church, through fellow Christian brothers and sisters, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is crazy. Look at this. You might have missed it. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What the heck is he saying? So God is choosing to use the church to show the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies. Catch it. In other words, the angels, the beings, princes and palities, things we cannot see, although some people may see sometimes. People absolutely do. The world that is unseen, they have no idea, no idea what it means to actually believe in God, have the Spirit of God then live in them, and to see a life empowered and transformed to now live out that part of God that's living in them. They have no idea what that's like, how that works. They have no idea of the authority that comes with that as well for those that are sons and daughters in Christ. So they are around doing God's bidding for those that are on his team and then those on the other team doing his bidding. But they're around watching and they're just, wow. You know, shaking their like, this is amazing. How is this working? How does this happen? God has chosen through his wisdom to use these people by putting a piece of him in them to change the entire event entire environment around them and what he's doing is he's changing them to be more like Jesus so it's like he's creating a whole bunch of little Jesuses all over the place that's changing and transforming the world and environment and attitudes and minds and emotions they're perplexed like how is this working it's amazing very interesting because he's not choosing the angels and he's not choosing other powers and principalities to get his will done. He's choosing to use his sons and daughters to get his will done. 
We've been entrusted with some things. We have some responsibilities. Now, if that was my call, I would never do that. You know how we are. Come on. We just complain. We just put stuff off. When it gets difficult, we just blame somebody else. And we just come with all these reasons, justifications, and then we'll surround ourselves with people that agree with us. And it's just like, it's stupid. And talk about efficiency. Like, how efficient is that? That's what he chooses to do, though. Man, his grace and his love is just unbelievable how much it covers. Wow. It's incredible. Thank God for that. Thank God His grace and love covers my life. Thank God. How does that not even like just bring a little bit of a tear, right? I mean, it's got to. You know how you are. I know how I am. If not, you can ask Julie. She'll tell you. But, <laughs> but you know? But that's the way He's doing it. And the rulers and authorities are sitting there watching saying, what is going on? It's amazing. Verse 12. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So man, if people are held up and they feel like they can't come before God, it's just a lie. It is just a lie. People that's been born again, I said, Lord, I want you to live in my heart and in my life. They have all freedom and confidence to come before God. Now, if they're trying to hide stuff, yeah, it's going to make it difficult. But I'm trying to be as honest as possible before a holy God. You can't really come with a lot of freedom and confidence when you know you're trying to hide stuff. But if you're trying to be honest and open and repentful, there's no reason to be afraid of it. We can come with freedom and with confidence. He says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are for your glory. So Paul is saying, listen, don't be discouraged because I'm in jail, I'm in chains, I did everything right. He said, don't misread the situation. This is God doing His thing, His way. I don't understand all of it. It's for your glory. Hopefully you're getting built up by it. And let's just roll with it together. That's a man right there. That's a man. He doesn't complain once through any of these letters. Man, I just gave God everything. I gave Him my all. I gave... What's He doing? You know, I should be there with you right now. You know, these other people that are coming in and messing things up, they wouldn't have been there if I could have been there. He doesn't, never does any of that. I'd have a couple of chapters like that. This is an awesome prayer that He does, that He gives them as He closes up this chapter. He says, verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father... Man, he just loves him. He's on his knees before him. I don't know when the last time he kneeled down in prayer, but it's just something different about it. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray. Here's how he's praying for those that he loves, for those that he's invested in. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp, right, here's our title, to grasp how wide and how long and how deep the love of Christ is. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge 
that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This prayer is pretty awesome. Two thoughts about it, then we close up. One thing about this prayer, as you can see, there's a heavy, heavy focus on the inner being. On the inner being. Somebody locked up? Uh, yeah, or somebody wants to get in real bad. Tell me about Jesus. <laughs> Let's do it, right? How awesome would that be? <laughs> they okay? Is it my son probably running around? and? Oh, oh great. Did somebody grab him? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Make sure everybody's okay. Yeah. What are we talking about? Oh, inner being. The focus of the prayer, right? The inner being. The inner being. So I was thinking about this this past week. The inner being. He's completely focused on this entire prayer, not on really outward things, because that's what we do. I mean, we just focus on what we see, what we can think, feel, touch. Like That pretty much dominates the day. When we get saved or become born again or come into our lives to Christ, we're called to now live a life based on faith and not on what we see, think, or feel. Not totally ignoring our senses, but all the senses that get checked through the Word. That's a radically different way of living. Very different. I mean, when you're asked to like give money and then you can see with your eyes like there's no money, but I'm calling you to give. Okay, how does that work? I don't know. Just do it. I, I don't know. That's what the life of faith is. I don't. I, it's craziness. It's foolishness, right? To those that are not in Christ Jesus, that's what the Bible says. The inner being. I was thinking of it like a um, kernel of popcorn. Kernel of popcorn. So kernel of popcorn, right? You have like this hard shell on the outside, and that kernel can just last forever. On the inside, you have some starch, right? You have some oil, you have some water. And on the inside is where the good stuff is. We all know that. Who does not like popcorn? Raise your hand. Who doesn't like popcorn? Every Okay, so there's one. Just about everybody likes popcorn, right? Whether you like it or not, on the inside, when that comes out is where it truly comes alive. But the only way that starch comes out of that kernel is if the inside gets around some serious heat, it builds a ton of pressure, and what has been internalized, locked in by a hard shell, when that starts to get stirred up and this pressure starts to build, it can't be contained any longer to where it just pops out. You get what I'm saying? And we walk around easily with some hard shells. And we supposedly, hopefully, have the truth, the life-changing truth that rose Jesus Christ in the day, the Spirit of God living in us. And we got these shells. And sometimes we reinforce these hard shells and we stay angry and we stay bitter and we stay holding grudges. And we stay making bad decisions. Keep that shell hard. 
But the way this whole Christianity thing works, it doesn't work from the outside. So that kernel just doesn't do anything from the outside. What? It'll just break your teeth. Like, try eating a piece of that. Like, it's just it's no fun. The way the Christianity thing works is from the inside out. That's the way this entire thing works. So being alone, getting with God, pouring our hearts out to Him, filling ourselves up with His Word, and trying to be obedient and honest before Him the best that we can, that starts to rise up the pressure meter. It starts to shine some light. It starts to start just change things. And the idea is, man, we are just filling up. We're filling up with Jesus in our hearts. We're feeding the Spirit that's now living in there. Because it's our choice to feed that. And we are feeding, and hopefully we get to some point, man, where the pressure is just building, and it's just building, and it's building. Boom! Like, we just got a pop! You know what I mean? We're just popping with Jesus. Like, you could say that. We are popping with Jesus. It's coming out. We've just, we've been with the King. Like, it's not just words on a book. We've actually been alone with Him. We've been pouring our hearts to Him. And then we've been trying to walk in faith before Him. I've been trying to give my sexuality over to Him on His way, on His terms. Not passively, but aggressively. I'm giving my finances over to Him on His way and His terms. Not passively, but aggressively. I'm trying not to be bitter at that co-worker. I'm trying to not get pissed off at my family, right? We are being aggressive about this stuff. And we're alone with the king, and we're letting him do that work on our hearts. It just comes popping out. And it's not like we have to try and be the Christian and try and share the good news and tell others about Jesus. And you just, now you just do it because it's popping out. It's so hard to fake it if you just try and do it when you think that you're supposed to. It's so much easier when it's just a part of you and it just flows out. So much easier. When, it's, when it is who you are, it's so much easier. That's why like outreaches and different events sometimes can be difficult. Because sometimes, some people, it's like, well, I'll hand out this track and I'll pray for this person because that's what we're doing now. And sometimes you need that to like help kind of push and you know, get experience for maybe interacting with people. But, if it just sort of stays when we just do it with the group that we're doing it with, that's not really us. And don't think for a minute that the world can't see right through that. Well, that ain't really you. Like, you're just doing it because they're doing it, like, you know. And then we'll come back, well, at least I'm trying to do it, you know. No. Forget that stuff. It has to be a part of us, popping out of us takes no effort for that apple tree to produce apples. It just does it. It takes no effort. It just hangs out being an apple tree. And we're called to just be with our Father who made us and abide as Him to be who He created us to be in the first place. And what we try and do and get into trouble is just live our life on our own terms, make our own choices, own decisions, and occasionally try and include Him. When it was never about incorporation, it was about full submission. Always, all the time. Because we were just created to be with Him anyways. That was the whole point. And if the Garden of Eden thing didn't get messed up, and it was going to get messed up, we could actually be who He created us to be, with Him in perfect harmony, 
enjoying Him. That's the original intent. We're just created to be with Him. And since the Bible says that God is love, well, we're also called just to be love as well. Man, we're just created just to be loving people in an incredible way. And that's why this prayer is centered on that. Focus on the inner being and then just catch what He says. He says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being, look at, rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints, that's all Christians, to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And look at this. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It surpasses the knowledge part. So maybe you got somebody, man, they're just a Bible thumper. And they got like verses down, they know where to turn, they got... Uh, hopefully it's like getting driven by love. That would be great. Because what he's saying here, he's saying here, Paul's saying, you know what? The love part, it surpasses the knowledge. When we actually become God and become more like Jesus, man, that's the thing that resonates. That hugely resonates with people. We just get like in their lives and it's just like, just caring about them. That changes. Very rarely do people care how much you know. Very rarely. But we're, you know, many people are quick to offer their opinions. Oh, let me tell you, you know, what, what I know and what I heard and what somebody said. But when it comes like to salvation issues and people, it's like, man, let's like get to know them. And then once we get to know them in their lives, where they're coming from and who they are, there's a very good chance they're going to want a little bit about what you know. They might even be asking the question. I mean, the Christian should just be known for just knowing and loving people. Knowing and loving people. So as far as Paul's concerned, he says, you know what? Be love first, be smart second. Be love first, be smart second. The Bible knowledge will get there, we'll spend our time in the Word, and we'll, we're all in different places. But man, be love. Somebody comes at... I got, I got blown away this week. And here's one that I failed in. So you'll probably appreciate the story. Because everybody always likes the failures and, you know... It's like the success is set a bar and it's like, oh, you know. So I'll tell you the failure. So I'm at Home Depot. He's not here, is he? No. Okay. So I'm at Home Depot. I just had to check. It was really weird. I was at Home Depot uh, doing some work uh, on the house this week. And um, uh, I parked like in the back of the parking lot. Went in. I wasn't even looking forward to the trip. I, I can't stand going to the Waterbury Home Depot. It just takes forever. Nothing is like... Anything you get is broken, so you gotta weed your way through like a hundred boards, like to find stuff. It's just so I finally get the stuff. I probably don't have the best attitude. Because I just waited in line for like fifteen minutes because there's just this whole thing that happened in front of me. So um, and uh, I I get out uh, to my car in the parking lot, I'm unloading, and a guy comes by and he's uh, I only had like like two boards, like that was it. It was like a forty five minute trip for two boards. So um, unload and he goes, hey, you need some help? And I was like, I was like, no, but I really appreciate your offering. Thank you very much. Like that's, I appreciate that. And uh, he's like, yeah, no problem, no problem. So he gets in the truck, uh, his truck. He's right next to me. And then um, 
I go walking to get in uh, to my truck, and uh, he goes, uh, he goes, you know, I hate it when people park in the handicap spots and, and, they, and they don't have their handicap sticker. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, <laughs> and like, he didn't really pause, and he just kept going. So um, he's like, yeah, he said, yeah, man, that just irritates me. He said, I don't, I don't understand, you know, why people do that. And, uh, and I'm like, what? what is this guy talking about right now? And what he did is what he did next is he then made an extremely derogatory and insulting racial slur towards somebody that was over there. And I'm just like blown. I'm like, where are we going right now with this? And uh, he's like, I'm sorry if you're offended. I'm like, yeah, I am offended. I was like, what? why are you saying that? And then he goes, you know, I just get so mad and so frustrated sometimes. And uh, he goes, I don't understand, um, you know, why people just can't be respectful. They're always on their cell phones and they're talking. And he's like going to his whole tirade. And I'm sitting there like. <laughs> but in my mind and in my spirit, I really felt like that was a perfect opportunity to like just like be loved to this guy and just like bring some kind of little bit of Jesus to the situation man it is frustrating and in fact I even tried and then I bailed I tried and I bailed right so maybe you've done this one too so I'm like yeah I know I gotta say something especially I'm the pastor so I gotta say something so then I said yeah I was like you know I can't stand it you know when people are out um, in front of like the drop off thing and, and they're not unloading but they're just like parking there but I was gonna like bring that back around to be like but you know sometimes we're difficult as people and you know I just try and pray for them if you're having a rough day can I pray for you and I, I intended to go there and I just never got there because of my own laziness my own procrastination I was just I don't know just flesh getting in the way you know just stupidness but at a chance, opportunity, here's a guy, it's very clear, he's super frustrated and having a rough day. Hey man, can I just pray for you real quick? Maybe the day will go better. He ain't turning that down. They never do. I've been in that parking lot multiple times praying with people. They never turn it down, ever. Messed that one up. So, been praying for that guy. Hopefully God will do a work on him, you know, and you know, do something. But, but these are like just little things that we're just called to do. Just called to do. Go out and just, we're just popping Jesus out of places. Even if we just waited in line for a particular amount of time, that wasn't enjoyable. It doesn't matter. The goal is love here. Like, we're called to love people into the kingdom. Not argue extremely persuasively and then hopefully get them to mentally assent to it. That ain't going to last real long. It's good to know our word. It's good to be able to be logical. Very good things. We're called to use our minds. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're called to do that. But if bottom line isn't rooted just in love for the person, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And Jesus made it real clear. He said, listen, you know that they're Christians by the way that they love other people. That, that's how you're going to know. You're going to know the, my people, yeah, the way they love it's unmatched. It's unparalleled. They don't respond. They're not argumentative. They're not hostile. They're not immediately defensive. They don't carry like grudges. Not my people. 
God, do a work in my heart. Do a work in our hearts. Help us not to be people like that. Easily identifiable. Does it mean we get walked on sometimes? Sometimes. Taken advantage of sometimes? Sometimes. Whatever. There is also a place, right, for protecting ourselves and protecting those around us. But for the most part, you know, hopefully love rules the day in our hearts, minds, and actions. That's the goal for the Christian. And you can't muster it up. You just can't muster it up. Because as soon as you try and muster it up, it's only a matter of time before that crashes and burns. We only get it by just being in His presence, being with Him, and seeing through His eyes, man, just how He loves people. He just loves, loves people. Loves people. I just continue to get more of a sense of that, like each year, just how much He just loves people. And so now it's like it's oozing into me. So it's just like, I just want to know where they're at. Like, what's going on with them? You know, just cares about my life like what's going on with you like maybe somehow some way he can speak through the way I'm doing a department meeting at work or you know maybe some way I sent an email to somebody or something somehow some way and then boom we finish here with the crescendo verse 20 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and and ever! Exclamation point! Amen! Can you tell this is a guy in prison and in chains? Heck no. He doesn't let his circumstance define who he is and define what he's going to do. And we're not called to do that either. God, help us not to be a people where we're just defined by our circumstances. And that's where our attitudes and emotions rest based on how our day is going. Forget that. We're not called to be that. Not called to be that. So we're going to close with one song, which I think is appropriate. Um, How deep the Father's love. And even if you don't know the words, uh, you could just read them. Um, And if, if you don't want to sing, you could just sit there and 